Hey, 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 good morning, Saturday morning, and it is the first Saturday of the month, the first Saturday of December. Welcome to The Driving Show. You know what that means? My name is John Hammer, by the way, uh, from the home office in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yep, absolutely. In fact, I live in one of the suburbs called Mooresville, North Carolina. Race City, USA is what its nickname is. Uh, lots and lots and lots of race shops are within a stone's throw of uh, where I live, and, and it's, it's a super great place to be. You know, it's one of those cool things where you can run over to the local, you know, Walmart or Target or grocery store and see NASCAR guys buying toilet paper. That's a true story. I've seen that. I've seen Keselowski buying toilet paper before. <laughs> it's true. It is a true story. Now, but we got a, a lot going on. On, on today's show, and uh, if you perhaps might be uh, on your way to a Cars and Coffee, I know that our local Cars and Coffee is going on today, or one of them is going on today. Uh, we've got another one uh, on the second or third Saturday of the month. I forget which one. I think it's the third Saturday of the month. Uh, anyway, uh, if you're heading out there today, glad to have you along for the ride. We're going to talk about cars and automobiles and motorsports and car-type things uh, coming up over the next hour here on The Driving Show. It's uh, great stuff, and I'll tell you what, I am super stoked. I've got a great special guest for you on the show today. Uh, my good friend Steve Mignante is going to be with us, and Steve, you'll recognize the name. You're like, wait a minute, I know that name. Why do I know that name? The easiest way to describe Steve is he's the guy with the big, thick rim glasses on the Barrett Jackson television coverage who knows everything about every car because the man is a walking encyclopedia of automotive knowledge, especially classic stuff. And uh, we're going to have him on and talk about stuff. He's got a brand new show that debuts this weekend. And he's going to join us here coming up in, in just about you know ten minutes or so, and, uh, and and hang out with us today. So I'm really looking forward to having Steve on the uh, on the show with us, and, and I'm glad that uh, that you're here for it. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, winter weather is hitting us in a good portion of the country. We have a driving show song of the week that is absolutely perfect for that. We've got to do our driving show motorsports update. Obviously, NASCAR Champions Week was uh, Las Vegas uh, this past week, and everybody was celebrating out there in Sin City. We're going to hear from Martin Truex Jr. coming up on that and we have to talk about Alfa Romeo in fact we're going to talk about them twice today they've had a huge week they've made some incredible announcements of course the Los Angeles Auto Show is going on right now and that has uh, that has given Alpha a surprisingly big shot in the arm. So that's a that's a good deal for uh, for those guys. We're going to talk about the new Formula One deal, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, well, we're going to talk about a whole lot more. Anyway, the short story is there's a lot of stuff going on, but Mignante's the big one. I'm stoked that he's going to be on the uh, on the radio with us, and uh, hopefully, if he can stick around, he'll be with us for quite a bit. All right. So there's a lot here on the driving show, but first we've got to get to the news. <laughs> And speaking of Alfa Romeo, the Julia is Motor Trend's 2018 Car of the Year. Absolutely, and, and why not? I mean, it's a phenomenal car. It's got a ton of stuff. It, it's really funny because Henry Ford had a great quote, and this is actually uh, off of the Motor Trend, uh, their, their press release. They said, Henry Ford, the inventor of mass production automobiles, once said, quote, when I see an Alfa Romeo go by, I tip my hat. Now, that's a pretty big nod from a pretty, you know, a pretty important guy, right? The idea here is that Motor Trend knows their cars. They are looking at vehicles. They're looking at all the brand new ones. They're checking out everything. And at the end of the day, they come down to the, uh, the 2018 car of the year is the new Alfa Romeo Giulia. Not just the Quadrifoglio, but, uh, but, but all the Giulias. 
I got to tell you, I have driven, especially the Quadrifoglio, at length. And I get it. I totally get it. I mean, they were going up against, you know, some some big cars. You know, I mean, they. you look at the BMW M3, the Cadillac ATS-V, you know, Mercedes C63s. Those are all amazing cars. Uh, but the Julia, especially the Quadrifoglio, it absolutely holds with them, if not more. So the car is great. And uh, congratulations to those guys. That's a, a really big deal for uh, Alfa Romeo. Another Alfa Romeo announcement coming up later in the show. Speaking of the Los Angeles Auto Show, Lincoln is out there, and they have uh, unveiled their new crossover SUV at the Auto Show, the uh, the new Lincoln MKX, except it's not called the MKX anymore. Now, the car has been updated, and that's really cool, but really the big story is that they've changed the name of it. Lincoln, a handful of years ago, got into that whole alphanumeric deal that uh, so many other companies are doing these days, and uh, guess what? Turns out nobody knows what the hell any of those things are. <laughs> I don't know what an MKX MKX is an MKZ, a WXYZ. Nobody knows. Uh, they knew Lincoln, but they didn't know what the what, what the particular cars was. So what they've done is they've taken the MKX, which is actually a Ford Edge that's been redone, and they've renamed it the Lincoln Nautilus. So you will see the Lincoln Nautilus. And I'll tell you, honestly, it looks fantastic. It really, really does. Uh, I've had one of those. I've had a regular Ford Edge in the family before, and it was a great car. So I can only imagine that a Lincoln version of it is going to be that much nicer. But uh, yes, instead of having funky alphanumeric names like Mercedes-Benz with an S550 or a Lexus LS460L or a QX80 or a G80 or BMW is probably the worst these days. Think about the, the X5 X Drive 40E i Performance. That's the name of one car. <laughs> I like Lincoln Nautilus. That sounds pretty good. And finally, here's a crazy story for you. There's a man in jail right now who's been accused of having sex while driving drunk with a baby in the car. Now, this, this would almost, I'm not making this up. This would almost be laughable if it weren't so scary. The, the guys in, uh, in in Washington, outside of Tacoma, Washington, he is being held in jail on half a million dollars bond. He's charged with vehicular assault, reckless endangerment, driving with his license suspended, and driving without a required interlock device, because this is not his first drunk driving, uh, after his car crashed into a tree on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, so about a week and a half ago. Here's the thing. Police, police, police say, you know, a lot of people thought it was funny, says uh, Washington State troopers. Uh, to us, it isn't funny. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, but the guy who, who was driving the car, he's 22, suffers an injured wrist. The 22-year-old female that was in the car and they were doing it while he was driving the car, she suffered a broken pelvis in the crash. Now, Here's one for mom of the year. Her three-month-old baby girl was in the back seat of the car. Luckily, the baby was unharmed. So she's three months old. Mom is in the front seat doing it with her boyfriend while they're driving the road down the road. And they're drunk. When police arrived on the scene, witnesses say that they saw the two climb out of the wrecked car naked. I can't make this stuff up, you guys. All right, just in case you were wondering, don't drive drunk. All right, make sure that your kid's buckled up. Uh, wear your seat belt, and don't do it while you're driving, while you're drunk, because you're going to hit a tree. 
unbelievable stuff. All right, time for us to take a break. I got nothing on that one, right? Uh, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, our good friend Steve Mignante from television's uh, Barrett Jackson TV coverage on Velocity. He's got a new show debuting this weekend. We're going to find out all the story when we come back here on The Driving Show. Stay right where you are. I'm John Hammer. We'll be right back. Welcome back Saturday morning here on The Driving Show. I'm John Hammer. You can always find us online. TheDrivingShow.com takes you over to our Facebook page and on Instagram at The Driving Show. Of course, hashtag The Driving Show everywhere else. And our buddy Steve Mignante, you recognize him from the Barrett-Jackson TV coverage. Uh, years of writing for Hot Rod Magazine. I mean, the guy just knows all kinds of stuff. He's with us right now on the telephone. And Steve, you have a new show debuting this weekend yeah well that's junkyard gold okay. and it's it's basically something that is uh, now it's added on to the motor trend on demand i guess um arsenal of online tv shows you know i guess the big one of them as you know is roadkill mm-hmm. of course it's dirt every day engine masters and i think it's about 9 10 11 programs that people you buy the subscription i think it's 4.99 a month and you get access to these shows first run when they first hit yeah and um so this joins that Arsenal, I guess you might say, that's <laughs> Junkyard Gold. And uh, there'll be 12 episodes, and what we do, basically, uh, descending on junkyards, the older and the weirder, the better. <laughs> and then I just sort of pull out and pick uh, a variety of interesting cars and features to talk about. Now, it's kind of like diving on the Titanic. We don't need to raise it. Um, we just sort of, you know, go in as deep as we can, even deeper than uh, James Cameron got with his robots, you know. <laughs> but we actually go, you know, we check out the cars and, and, and look at VINs and define and describe what makes them significant and important. But we don't try to save them, restore them, buy them or anything like that. We basically check it out and then move on to the next one. Uh, it's kind of a it's, a, it's a, it's a history lesson in automotive marketing, engineering, and, and tragedy in some cases. A lot of these cars, like we find Kaisers and Ramblers and cars that are no longer Edsels, yeah. DeSotos, uh, but we shine a light on them and, and hopefully fan the flames of interest among people who like cars. I have to tell you, one of my earliest car guy memories back when I was... Oh, man. I mean, I was 16 years old. And so the first car that I purchased with my money, you know, not I inherited my dad's car as my first car. That doesn't really count. But the first car that I purchased was a 1965 Chevrolet Corvair Corsa. And uh, it was a rust bucket, though. I was up in Detroit. So, you know, the thing, the poor thing had been all rotted out. But to keep that thing running, there was a local junkyard that had about eight or ten Corvairs in there. And we'd go in there every couple of weeks and, you know, strip parts off it and take whatever we needed out of those cars. And that was always a really cool thing. It was something we really looked forward to was to uh, to go. We called it boneyarding. We went boneyarding on a Saturday morning. Yeah, it's 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 not. It's a lost American pastime, but it's something that's not growing now. In California, I lived out there for 16 years. I, I worked for Hot Rod and had a great time. I'm I'm back in Massachusetts now. Uh, things are good. However, in California, things don't rust nearly as quickly as they do, as you know, in Michigan or yeah. anywhere else. And there was pick apart. We go to the pick apart. You pay a buck, no kidding, and you'd go in there with your toolbox, and then whatever you needed, you'd you'd pull off the car, take it to the counter, and then buy it. They had a flat rate pricing policy. Where like a Fender was, you know, twenty nine ninety five, regardless if it was from a Roadrunner or an RX seven, you yeah. know, it was all there. And I loved going to these self serve automotive junking yards in California. Well, you know, that that whole thing now is they're still very active, very much active, but uh, smaller yards, the mom and pop yards all over the country, sadly sometimes have issues with well, you know, the EPA. Let's mm-hmm. put it this way: a lot of those yards were started 
you know, 60, 70 years ago. And it wasn't uncommon, you know, for a lot of the, the old timers to take the gas and you all just dump it out, you know. Yeah. So that kind of stuff is a legacy that haunts some of these yards. Um, but, you know, we, we, they're all behaving properly. And, of course, that, those practices are gone. But the cars are still there. And it's fascinating to check these things out. And, again, you know, a, a car doesn't have to be savable uh, in order to, to be learned from and, and worshipped. You know, it's got, and you mentioned the Corvair. It's funny, you know, the first episode of Junkyard Gold airs on Motor Trend On Demand. And in there, there is a segment on the Corvair. Oh, really? In fact, I was in this, yeah, I was in a boneyard in Burniston, Massachusetts, this little tiny yard, Burniston Auto Wrecking. And in there, we found the rear half, yes, the rear half of a rusted into Corvair. It was a oh, little two door, it was a, it was a convertible, yeah. but it's a 62, yeah. which is to say that it still had the swing axles, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. of the, uh, the, the double jointed uh, system that was adopted in 1964, right? So, so as a function of that, or 65, excuse me, yep. and uh, so as a, as a function of that, of course, those cars had a lot of tuck owner. The tires would change camber, oh, yeah. and you know they could spin out more easily if you weren't hip to, um, you know, not letting off the gas halfway to a turn, right? Yep. And but it was wonderful to be able to point that out and show it in the junkyard because this destroyed car was was an impromptu um, display. That's really cool. <laughs> you know, there's this car sitting sitting on its cowl, and there's the tail sitting straight up in the air, and, and, and the whole underside was fully exposed. And it gave me the opportunity to point out the swing axles and uh, the flat fix from underneath and just kind of cool stuff. So, you know, Corvairs, junkyards, it's it's all there. That's really funny. There's a, a not to turn this into a Corvair show segment, but what the heck, there's a uh-huh. uh, there's a TV commercial on right now for, uh, what is it? It's Farmer's Insurance, or they They've got the Corvair catches on fire in the parade. That's the one, right? (laughs) But you know what? As a (laughs) as a Corvair guy, that commercial drives me insane because not only did I mean I get it, they've got to use two different Corvairs for you know one for the driving segment where the car catches on fire and the other one for the trophy hanging on the wall. But they used two different generations. The one that caught fire was an early bathtub, and then the second one was actually a '65 in the original one. They have now since edited that commercial to take out the. 65 taillights, which were a one-year-only piece with those round ones, and yeah. then they replaced them with these generic rectangular ones digitally on the commercial. I'm like, how about that? So somebody clearly called them out on stuff, and uh, and they had to make that that, that editing change uh, on the fly, but I was like, ah, very interesting. That was cool. Good eye hammer. Yeah, Good yeah, eye hammer. Um, yeah, I know what you're exactly talking about. They talk. They have that thing where we know a thing or two because we've seen blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right? right, yeah. And they show the parade. They show this fake fire on the back, and then there, as you say, is the trophy. I noticed the same thing. Yep. Um, there it is. Yeah, the sleeker lines of the 65 up, kind of like a Camaro oh, yeah. versus, you know, like you say, the, the, the washboardy, tubbly, uh, bathtub-looking thing. But, yep. yeah, good eye. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Cool they, they had the presence of mind and sensibility to correct that because there's a lot of old car people in this world. And one thing I, I do love, you know, you and I are both very involved in this, but there's been a sea change of, of opinion about older cars. And, you know, I moved to California in 1992. I uh, started working at Hot Rod in 1998. And I remember at that point in time, well, there were forces in California that would have us all believe that older cars were called clunkers. Mm-hmm. And they actually would have these things, some of the oil companies and, and others, were funding these things where they would have cash for clunkers. And they would give you 700 bucks for your pre-1975 automobile. And people were actually bringing cars through these checks 
track points, getting 700 bucks, and the car would then go in and get crushed uh-huh. to get a clunker, quote-unquote, off the road. Uh-huh. Well, now I think you know we're finally realizing these things are more than cars. They're art. They're part of our history, part of our legacy. And now the Wall Street Journal is talking about these things as investments, and I love that change. Yeah, they're not as cheap as they were, but they're being respected and honored and, and, and preserved, which is what we need. So, Steve, one of the other things that you're really well known for is your coverage on the Barrett-Jackson auctions, and again, you're talking about investment cars now. What is, what's the what's the new trend? I know for the longest time it seemed to be air-cooled Porsches were becoming real, real hot, and I know they still are, are pretty hot. Is there anything else that, uh, you know, guys listening to the show, you know, what are they going to, what, what should they go out and, and maybe uh, try to get inside their garage these days might be a good investment for them? Well, you know, I think, you know, kind of like, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a food connoisseur. I can barely even say the word connoisseur. <laughs> but um, kind of like a multi-course meal with a little cleansing of the palates between dishes, right? Yeah. It seems to me that the passage of years um, and, and the elimination of older cars through rust and wear out uh, cleans our palate. And I think suddenly things that were once very common to see, once you don't see them for a while, suddenly, oh, I remember those. You say, I remember those. And when you can say, oh, I remember those and smile, those, whatever that those is, mm-hmm. becomes kind of collectible. And right now, clean, original, unmolested, or, or restored back to stock condition pickup trucks, light duty, yeah. are really, really hot. And I got to say, I think that's starting to spread into the Japanese pickup truck world, where we see Toyota and Datsun and even Ford Courier type pickups from the 70s. Remember those little, yep. the first wave of compact pickup trucks, uh, especially four wheel drive, even two wheelers. But if you see those little puppies in bone stock trim with the skinny little white wall bias ply tires, or even like the narrow radials that they had yep. first off and a bottle cap hubcaps, those things are beginning to get money, as are Jeeps taken back to square one condition. So uh, here's a weird one. And by the way, you guys, if you're just tuning in, we're, we've got Steve Mignante on the phone with us here on The Driving Show. And, and uh, Steve, I've been shopping kind of kind of half-heartedly for an RV lately. I've got this crazy idea. I want to tow my tow my race car to the racetrack with an RV. Got an RV at the track and be good. But I'm looking for something, you know, you know, lower end, inexpensive, just something to, to play with on the weekends. But while I was digging through and you just piqued my interest by saying the old Datsun pickup trucks and the old, you know, Toyotas and things like that. Uh, you're thinking Hustler? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, go ahead. I, I ran across a, a Datsun, a Datsun-powered pickup truck based a little class C late 1970s RV and the whole ad on this thing that the the owner had written and it was a private sale was all about the nostalgia of this vehicle the vehicle is old and it's still styled from you know the 19 1979 or whatever it was with its browns and its golds and its greens inside of the inside of the RV area and i just thought well that's kind of funky has something like that ever ever popped up and and started to have some gravity as a collectible now, I will say RVs are a funny thing. Uh, I'm with you. On the smaller ones, the more compact ones, yes, I give it a pass, especially if it's presented as new. In yeah. other words, you know, restored, no custom wheels, not slammed, or, you know, even I have to say without a V8 swap, if it still has the original, you know, 1.8 or whatever it is, overhead cam, yeah. four popper, that, that's actually a plus in a lot of ways, you know. But with that said, one of the screaming bargains I see right now is, uh, like, you know, late 70s, mid-70s, um, one-ton van-type 
campers. Oh. And I've seen, especially the ones, the 440 Dodge powered ones, yeah. and the 360 Dodge ones, 3000 bucks and under for <laughs> little mini winnies and stuff like that. Yeah. The thing is, I think with those, the big ones are tough to put in a garage. That's yeah. one of the things I do. And at Bear Jackson, I know that, you know, sometimes campers like that, well, they don't put them on TV because they don't often bring much money because, again, they pose that problem. Where the heck do I put it, honey? Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, but with that said, I think that, uh, you know, RVs are, are waiting to happen, but the size, I think, of the bigger ones makes them a little problematic on, on where to put them. The man has a long history of digging around in junkyards, and it's turned into his latest TV show, uh, debuting actually this weekend on Motor Trend On Demand, uh, the host of Junkyard Gold, it's Steve Mignante. Steve, thank you so much, man. Great stories, dude. Always good to have you on. I mean, you're always welcome on the oh, show. I love having you on. Oh, Hammer, yeah, we're, we're like-minded people. <laughs> <laughs> we got more time to go. I, mean, I can hang as long as you want. All right, well, cool. Well, if you'll stay by here, let's take a quick break here and get back to some business. We've got to do the Driving Show Song of the Week right up next, right? We've got that one coming up, plus more from Steve Mignante. We're going to hear more from him coming up here on the Driving Show. I'm John Hammer. Stay right where you are. Saturday morning on the driving show and it is cold man De- depending on what side of the country you're on it's it's cold and it's even snowy too I know the northwest part of the country is on course to get hit with a pretty decent snowstorm this weekend it's cold pretty much everywhere north of the Mason-Dixon line and, and even south of it depending on uh, where you are uh, that said time for our driving show song of the week and this one is perfect because it cranks up real good and it has something to do with uh, colder weather right it's the Bengals hazy shade of winter the driving show's Song of the Week.
Girls. They knocked it out here with Hazy Shade of Winter from back in 1987. The Less Than Zero movie soundtrack that also featured such brilliant gems like LL Cool J's Going Back to Cali. Cali. Cali and Public Enemies bring the noise. No kid, actually, this song was uh, nominated for an MTV Video Music Award for the best song from a film. Yep, Bangles and a Hazy Shade of Winter. Uh, hang tight, we've got Steve Mignante coming back with us in just a little while. We're going to talk more from him and find out what's going on in the world of a high profile television automotive personality. <laughs> But we've got to do our motorsports update, our driving show motorsports update. That is next. We're going to be talking about NASCAR Champions Week and Alfa Romeo's latest racing venture. We do that next here on The Driving Show. Stay right where you are. Welcome back to The Driving Show. It is John Hammer. Hey, I'm here with you guys, uh, broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina today. Actually, not on the road. I'm home winding things down. I've got one more one more trip for my day job. I'm going to be in Indianapolis for the Performance Racing Industry Show. Uh, and about, uh, well, I guess, later, later later this week, I get there. next. It's next weekend. So I'll be up in Indy uh, next weekend. So if you're there at PRI, look for me. I'll be, actually, I'll be working for Dodge next weekend. So if you see me at the Dodge and Mopar uh, display over there, I'll be, I'll be over there. That'd be kind of cool if you step on by and, and say hello. And now for your listening pleasure. <laughs> NASCAR Champions Week was this week. Martin Truex Jr. was the star of the night on Thursday as he accepted the big trophy and the big check. But he also got to visit some of the kids at a Las Vegas children's hospital this week. It's, it's such a, a grounding process when you go in there and you just, it's a constant reminder when you see those kids of, how lucky we are to do what we do but not only that but just to be wake up and be healthy every day i mean it's just so unfair to see them and it breaks my heart to sit there and and talk to them and just see how how much pain they're in how tired they are and it's um it's a tough thing to try to figure out how to talk to them and what to say and try to just maybe cheer them up a little but um definitely a humbling thing to be able to come here and uh, hopefully maybe help just a little bit. And anytime you can get a NASCAR champion, you're going to bend his ear and ask him what it was like when you finally realized at the end of the race that, that you did it. You pulled it off. You made it happen. I can't even explain to you what I felt and all the thoughts that went through my head when I seen the checkered flag. I've never felt anything like that. I probably never will again. I don't know. Um, but just all the things that, that I thought about, all the people along the way that I thought about in those in just that split second it was like just everything flashing through my mind and it i was a mess and um just really thankful for for so many people helping me along the way i mean this goes back to racing go-karts and you know racing modifieds and the guys that helped me and volunteered and just you think about all the the pieces of the puzzle that got put together to get us where we are to get me here today it's amazing to think about it and, and um, amazing to think about all the stories. So just uh, just humbled and thankful and uh, excited to just celebrate this one for everybody that's helped me along the way. I think that's one of the things we really like about Martin Truex Jr. He really, truly is a down-to-earth, everyman kind of guy. He's legitimately thankful. Like, I actually believe him when he says that he's thankful for all the things that he has. You know, some of the guys you're just like, eh, you guys are just saying that or whatever, you know, uh, <clears throat> NFL guys. Uh, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, he, he, I really believe him. I really, truly do. Next big story, Alfa Romeo returns to Formula One. No kidding. Well, sort of. Uh, the announcement was made earlier this week, and what they're doing, it's, it's what they're going to call a technical it's here's the quote a multi-year technical and commercial partnership agreement 
All right. They're teaming up with Sauber. Now, Sauber has has already had a, a great link with Ferrari. Of course, Ferrari and Alfa Romeo are sister companies through Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. So that all makes uh, perfectly good sense. Now, Sauber, they're expected to run. Uh, uh, Charles Leclerc is going to be in there, who just had an unbelievable finish last weekend at Abu Dhabi in Formula 2. If you haven't seen his last, say, five laps of that race for the love of all that is automotive dig it up it's got to be on youtube somewhere you have to see it it is masterful it's absolutely phenomenal alfa romeo is going to be there working on the cars they're not officially supplying you know engines per se but it, right now it's technical partnership stuff it's going to get their feet wet in and uh it should be interesting they've not been in the sport since what 1985 uh so that'll be kind of cool to see those guys uh, get on back also the race of champions is uh, actually well last year it was here in the united states down in florida this year it's going to be in uh, Riyadh at the king fahd international stadium february 2nd through 3rd and this week they made the announcements on some of the drivers including the reigning race of champion uh juan montoya championship he, he and uh tom christensen runner-up who's nine-time winner of uh, the lamont 24 hours so he'll be there uh we've got david coultards coming we've got world rallycross champion petter solberg is coming from indycar Elio Castro Neves, Ryan Hunter Ray, and you've heard him here on the driving show, IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden. So all that's coming up, but it should be an outstanding event. Race of Champions is one of those things that's just so cool. I hate that I couldn't go to it uh, in um, uh, in Florida last year. I was out of town working. I think that was the same weekend as a Barrett Jackson. I think in Scottsdale, so I couldn't go. And what a what a bummer it was. Uh, and this year it's in Riyadh. I'm not exactly hopping on a plane and going to Riyadh, but. Uh, we'll have to watch that one, uh, watch the coverage of that one, because it's going to be really, really cool. Over in the world of sports cars, big news this week. Mazda Team Yoast has announced their driver lineup for 2018, and it's going to be a big deal. Now, of course, the, 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 the number one big deal, if you're not hip to what they're doing over in sports cars, Mazda actually stopped their program uh, early on earlier this year because basically their prototype car, their DPI car, was stinking up the joint so much. So then they partner up with Team Yoast, who used to run Audi's factory team, those guys know how to run a race team, right? So now they've got the car together. They've got the team behind them. Now they've got to get a driver's lineup. And they made the announcement earlier this week. And congratulations go to Jonathan Bomarito and Tristan Nunez, both a couple of Americans who have driven for Mazda in the past. They're going to be joined by uh, British guys uh, Oliver Jarvis and Harry Ticknell. Uh, and those guys, they haven't been with Mazda in the past, but they've got great, um, uh, they've got great uh, uh, history. And then... In the bigger races, the longer races, they're going to add in IndyCar's Spencer Piggott. And and my voice just cracked like I'm Bobby Brady right there. Uh, Spencer Piggott and uh, DTM champion Rene Rast. That car, their their race car, the what they call the RT24P, is one of the sexiest looking prototype race cars I've seen in maybe forever. It's so good looking. So uh, to see that car with a proper lineup, they're going to get that thing on track as soon as they can with those guys behind the wheel, and they will kick off the season at the Rolex 24 at Daytona coming up after the first of the year. Really looking forward to it. All right, time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, Steve Mignante from television's coverage of Barrett Jackson, and he's got a new show that debuts this weekend called Junkyard 
gold. He comes back to talk uh, more cars with us. So stand by for that again. Steve Mignante, he's back. He's up next here on The Driving Show. I'm John Hammer, and we will be right back. You know, I always say it, we get to this final segment of the show. I'm like, how can we already be done with the show? And yet we're, we're really close to it. The, just the last few minutes of the driving show this week. Steve Yante been hanging out with us uh, earlier talking about his new TV show. It's called it's called Junkyard Gold that uh, debuts this weekend in Motor Trend on Demand. And uh, Steve's with us here. I, I don't know. I really talk about all that stuff. What are what are you actually driving these days personally? Well, yeah, good. That's the interesting question. You know, I, I have had in my life a variety of street cars, ranging from a 68 Hemi Charger back in the 80s, and I actually drove every day uh, automatic car, to most recently, believe it or not, a smart car. I kid you not. I had a little smart for two. I still have it. Yeah. But it had some kind of a computer freak out or something. So it's parked in my garage waiting for what's next. I just recently picked up my first hot rod that I didn't build myself. Uh, this is a, it's not even a hot rod. It's a 2002 Chevy S10. Actually, it's a GMC Sonoma. Same oh, idea. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. But it has a 4.8 LS motor. Somebody swapped in. Oh, that's and cool, it's though. neat. It looks like a little four-banger truck, but it's bone stock, but it'll light the rear tires, oh. you know, all up and down the street. But it gets 22 miles to the gallon, which is amazing. That's the fuel injection overdrive and yeah. all that stuff. But So my daily driver now is a 2002 little GMC Sonoma with a V8 swap. Wow. Um, also have, a, I believe, an I have a K car. Yep, I have a, a, a 2000, or sorry, a 1990, or an 86, 86 uh, Plymouth Reliant K. Yeah. And believe it or not, it's uh, it's a pretty clean one, but it's my winter beast, which I'm sacrificing. Uh, it's got front-wheel drive, great knobby yep. snow tires, so here in the wintertime, all the good stuff goes indoors. You know, it's funny. You talk about those early cars. One of my, um, one of my favorite trivia questions when I'm doing an event on site, and if you guys ever see me hosting an event somewhere, sometimes I'll ask this trivia question. It's, what did I learn how to drive a stick on? Let's see if you know it, Steve, all right? So, okay. it was... It was, a, it's a Mopar, front engine, rear wheel drive, obviously manual transmission, Hemi powered, 1978. Sapporo. Yeah, <laughs> right? he's got I know, it. I know, I, I know the answer, I know the answer, but that, yeah, one of the captive imports, indeed. My, my mom, <laughs> one of the first cars I ever drove was a Dodge Colt, which yeah. was a Mitsubishi Galant. Yes, sir. In 1974, but yeah, but you know, I got to say, I think you know the K cars, they were crucial in bringing Chrysler back from the brink. And, 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 and as listeners may or may not know, John, you and I are both big-time Dodge freaks. And, yep. and of course, uh, we do some spokesperson work and cheerleading for Dodge. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Mopar guy. I love them all, but Chrysler is my core. <clears throat> Pardon me. But, you know, the, the 80s, of course, you know, I was born in 64, so I'm 20 in 84. And I was so depressed when the Charger 2.2 <laughs> bragged about having 101 horsepower right, and, yeah. and 0 to 55, I not know, 60. Right? <laughs> in like under nine seconds or under ten. It was a dark time, and you know, the five-liter Mustang was so much cooler. I just think to myself, come on, why, why, why can't Dodge do something real drive? But the bottom line is, those cars were crucial in bringing us to where we are now. Without those, well, the lights would have gone off, you know? So I, I got to say, I do start to see folks taking the Sapporos and, and the uh, Mitsubishi, uh, the Starions and yeah. the Cousins, and, and I think those things are the next, well, they're not next, but they're certainly not to be ignored, and they're certainly to be respected let me throw one more at you before i, I, I let you go here steve uh last week here on the show we were talking about uh, bob lutz who recently you know the former you know chrysler exec gm executive uh and, and uh, certainly a guy who's got his 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 finger on the pulse of the automotive world 
He actually said that he believes that automobiles as we know it, and and while certainly not in, in his lifetime, but hopefully, you know, but but within the next, you know, you know, maybe generation or, or two, you know, we're going to see them go away and replaced by, you know, again, he's talking about autonomous driving, uh, about uh, motorized pods, you know, self-driving, autonomous, motorized pods that we're just going to get into and drive around and they'll be owned by companies like an Uber or a Lyft or even a, a manufacturer. Uh, and it's going to be a huge wholesale change in the way that we move people from point A to point B. What's your take on that thought? Well, I have to say, Bob's a brilliant guy. You know, I've met him a couple of times, and uh, you know, I, I he casts a long shadow. Brilliant yeah. guy. I oh, will yeah. say this: if any city needs autonomous cars that don't require a driver, it's L.A. and cities. You know, I could see where you get into deeper cities where there's a lot of traffic and the need for computerized assistance. Let's face it; I get that'll happen. But I, I, I can't imagine Americans a giving up their complete and total independence to something they don't have immediate and ready access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unless these pods exist in the garage and are available at 3 a.m. to go to you know store 24 to grab an ice cream, um, unless that's possible, I don't think they're going to take over. I think that Americans love their cars, and you know it would take I think you know a total rethink, some kind of a you know not a global crisis, but something pretty drastic to get us away from our cars. I, I don't think it's going to happen on the scale that some folks are predicting. But that's just me. And while you get recognized for being on TV. The truth is you started out as a writer. You've got some some books in the past and uh, a, a new book coming up, right? What's the story on that? Yeah, also a writer, and I do a lot of stuff still for, for Hot Rod and Car Craft and stuff, monthly columns, stuff like that. Uh, but I also do some, some writing, and I just finished a book, uh, 1001 Corvette Facts. Yes, Corvette. Cool. And it, it follows on the heels of 1001 Mustang Facts, and of course, before that was 1001 Muscle Car Facts. So the Corvette book comes out in March, and it'll be like at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and stuff like that. But i got to say, it was a fascinating thing to basically travel through the beginnings of Corvette, and, uh, and the book is filled with little anecdotes and, and sort of dead ends, and, and especially right now, the tough thing about writing that book at this moment in time is GM's silence on the obviously existent mid-engine Corvette, and even things like <laughs> right. T12s. Yeah. So there's, there's a special chapter in each segment called uh, speculation, basically things that may or may not happen. So I had a field day, you know, guessing. I go on, online and, and, you know, everything from plutonium-powered Corvettes to Martian technology, <laughs> people are talking about, but the Corvette is about to go through a major change. So I was able to include some of that in the book. But aside from that, just the tradition of the Corvette from 53 on up, the book dives deep. So that'll be out in March, 1001 Corvette Facts. Looking forward to it. man. Steve, it's always great to talk with you, man. You always make me go, oh, ooh, yeah, cool. That's awesome, man. That's great stuff. Yeah, likewise, Hammer. Great to talk to you, man. And, 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 and love your show, and uh, I'll be happy to be on any time you call. It's Steve Mignante, you guys. Make sure you catch the debut this weekend of Junkyard Gold, Motor Trend on Demand, and, uh, and the book coming out in March. Thanks, my man. Have a great Christmas season, and thanks for being on with us. Okay, Hammer. Thank you. And that's going to have to wrap it up for us here on The Driving Show. You guys, it's been a, a great show, a whole lot of fun. Thanks to everybody who has joined us. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to Steve for being part of it with us. And remember, you can always catch up with us in between shows on social media at thedrivingshow.com. Uh, that takes you over to our Facebook page and on Instagram at The Driving Show. Hashtag The Driving Show everywhere that you go. I will see you guys next Saturday morning, same time, same place, talking cars here on The Driving Show. Take care. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.